because of all the pollution from the factories and the cars, what you see is you see a sea of acidity. You see pollution. And that pollution, if you breathe it into the lungs, the body has to deal with it. You're compromising when you have air pollution. You're compromising the integrity of the environment, specifically of the interstitial fluids of the lung, which I published, just published a paper on in January of this year, 2020. The reason I published it, because I want people to understand the disease of the lung is the genesis of that is in the interstitial fluids of the lung. Now, the interstitial fluids, of course, flow throughout the whole body. So it's not, you know, you may have a more concentrated area of pollution in the lungs that's causing an effect. One of those, let's say, being a cough. Someone can't get rid of a cough. Here again, that's an interstitial fluid condition. It's a terrain condition. So when we compare that to the germ, then when I discovered the work of Anton Béchamp and realized that he was the father of the terrain theory and wrote a beautiful book, beautiful book called Lace Microzymas. And then he did a, a book later called The Blood, the Third Anatomical Element. As I'm reading these books, I was fascinated. But on top of that, I was fascinated with the pictorials that were hand drawn of what he was seeing under a light microscope that was being illuminated by a mirror and the sun, that he was identifying these entities, these effects that were coming out of the cell. And thus he came up with the theory of the terrain theory that the cell is only as healthy as the fluids in which it is bathed in, and that these so-called germs are born in us and from us, and that the elements that were coming out of the cells were being then identified not as cellular fragments, but as bacterium, as if they're coming from the outside world infecting the inside world, which is just about impossible because the vascular system is a closed system. So even if it gets that far, it's, it's highly unlikely it's going to go into the interstitial fluid. Now, that's not true with alcohol. If you're dealing with a chemical, a chemical permeates every cell membrane. That's why it's so dangerous, because it's just pure acid. You know? So ethanol, alcohol, just like lactic acid, is what causes cancer. It's not a virus. It's not a bacterium. It's not a yeast. Yes, those entities are there because cells are breaking down, because the acids have deteriorated the membranes chemically to give rise to this biological transformation. It's called pleomorphism, which means many formisms that gives them rise to these entities that we then label as bacterial phages or exosomes. Enderlund called it the endobiont. Bechamp called it the microzyme. If you've ever read the notes of Pasteur and the rabies vaccine, it is like, really? Are you going to buy off on this research? There was no research done showing that his vaccine reversed rabies in animals. And of course, if you go to Paris, you'll see young Pasteur giving an inoculation to a dog. It was total fraud. There was no basis of that, even based on Farr's laws. The basic principle of Farr's law is that 
anyone who has the same symptomologies, you have to isolate the germ, and it has to be found in every organism in which you found that that has similar symptoms. So in Farr's laws, if rabies is in one dog and it's transferred to another one, now of course, if you're bit by a dog, the risk of rabies here again dates back to folklore to unscientifically unproven that rabies virus even exists, let alone that it's contagious. Then all of a sudden we're taking tetanus shots to protect ourselves from whatever, because whatever has not been discovered. This whole germ theory became a specious doctrine in order to facilitate an economy that was unlimited. The Rockefellers knew this. They developed petroleum-based drugs based upon the germ theory and made billions with no real scientific evidence proving the efficacy of anything other than you can poison yourself. And if you do poison yourself, the body will naturally, particularly the lymphocytes, will create antibodies against any poison to try to protect you. But it's not the virus, it's the poison that was introduced to the body. This is the whole problem with virology and bacteriology and mycology. It's not based on true science. It's not based upon causes postulates of isolation, purification, duplication, creating the same symptomologies that was found in the first specimen. This has never been done with HIV. I'm still waiting for the discovery of the HIV virus. I'm still waiting for the discovery of the Ebola virus. I'm still waiting for the discovery of the coronavirus. No one's been able to isolate and identify using now electron microscopy. What are they identifying? And is it infectious? The only way you can prove whether what you're looking under an electron microscope is to isolate that virus, that bacterial phase, that exosome, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, that microzyma, that endobion, that organized matter, whatever it might be, you have to isolate it and then you have to culture it and then you have to take from that culture and inject it into a new specimen creating the same symptoms of which you derived the specimen in the first specimen. So you got to recreate the infection. There's no way to do that with HIV because you don't have the material to identify. What you have is factors of cellular breakdown products, either RNA, these are nucleic acid, proteins, so you have RNA or you have DNA, genetic matter. But the beauty of this, people who are enlightened are saying, wait a minute, genes do not cause disease. In fact, they're subservient. If retroviruses are particles or chains of RNA that infect the cell and then reproduce themselves, stealing genetic matter in order to become something new and infecting the cell. Here again, that's never been validated. In fact, the reverse has been validated. Germs are coming out of the cell. So the exosome is in the cell and comes out of the cell in order to buffer and support the immune system in the toxicity the biochemical changes that have taken place by what you eat, what you drink, what you breathe, what you think, 
what you feel and even what you believe because thoughts turn to biology. These toxins, biochemical toxins, affect the environment that then affects the membrane of the cell where all the intelligence is. And then out of that, the cell releases glutathione. The cell releases exosomes as a protection to protect the cell and its desire to live in that particular form. And if not, then it evolves based on Antoine Béchamp's and my work and my discoveries in 1994 of biological transformation giving birth to anthrax bacteria from the blood or even coronavirus from the blood. These appendages or knobs, this effect, I call it the corona effect. I have pictures dating back to the 90s, early 90s, 1989 to 1991. I'm taking pictures of the corona effect. This is nothing new to me, but it's the same old, fictitious, erroneous, unsubstantiated, non-scientific story that's being told by the powers to be. The bottom line is, is when we define a virus, it depends on who you're asking. We have similar genetic matter doing retrotranscriptase PCR testing, which basically the Nobel Prize winner in chemistry, Dr. Mullis, said you can't identify a virus or the existence of a virus, or for that matter, anything, by testing antibodies. Antibodies just tells you that apparently there's a toxin which has activated the release of antibodies against what? You have to test the interstitial fluids to determine the what, but nobody's doing that. Looking at bats and their DNA and saying, oh, what is the difference between the DNA of our genetic makeup and the DNA of a chimpanzee? Are they similar? Yes, they're similar. But any minute change within that genetic pattern creates a whole different organism to associate a coronavirus from a bat, which may be 79% identical to a coronavirus they found in somebody up in Washington state, is totally ridiculous. And then to translate that from one species to another, as if that's good science, that's voodoo science. So we have to go back to Antoine Béchamp and what did he do? What he did was he took Two jars. You can do this with one jar. And he literally cut off all the oxygen, okay, any atmospheric potential of cellular breakdown. And from that, just like food you put in the refreezer, after a year it's called freezer burn. If you take something out of its normal context, it's going to adapt, it's going to change. And this is what happens. With matter, he found, even when there was no other contributing factors from the outside world, the matter that he was testing still gave birth to bacteria. Now, why is that significant? That is significant because germs are not contagious. The so-called virus, by the way, the Latin word for virus means poison. The Latin word for corona means crown the crowning effect of any cell is coming from its environment. Just as 
the death of dolphins or of killer whales is the result of the environment. They were eating poisonous fish. They became sick themselves because it disturbed their environment, introducing chemicals, which are the real thing. So when we think about virus, think about a rattlesnake. Is it the bite that kills? Or is it the venom that kills? Now, if there was no venom, you get bit, no problem. You'd move on. There'd be possibly no or very little contributing factor to whatever was in that mouth. Yes, the mouth is one of the filthiest places of the human body. When you chew it, out of that chewing causes a disturbance. Out of that disturbance becomes a change. Where is the change taking? At the microzymian level. So when you cremate a body, it doesn't all go up in smoke. What you have is dust. That dust is what Antoine Béchamp called the small being. God called it the dust. From dust you are and from dust you will return. This is the matter that's indestructible, cannot be created, nor can it be destroyed. All it can do is change. So after the cell is gone, after the DNA is gone, after the environment has significantly changed, take all the environment, what is left standing? What is left standing is what Antoine Béchamp referred to as the microzyma, the only living entity of the physical plant, of the physical animal, or of the physical human being. When you cremate any of that, there is a particle of dust which makes up the intelligence of that whole physicality. And that whole physicality, which is now and has been studied, can be reconstituted back in an environment and become alive again because it never died, because it knows no death. It's eternal in nature. And when we understand this, then we have to question genetically modified organisms in vaccines and other chemical compounds that they're injecting directly into the blood fluids, which have to purify itself or you would die maintaining its integrity, okay, and as it changes, even the red blood cell, which differentiates into new body cells, it's not the stem cell, it's the stem cell or the embryonic cell that becomes the blood, and the blood becomes the bone, the blood becomes the brain, the blood becomes the heart, the blood becomes the skeletal system. And so when you introduce microzymas or dust from animal, you're taking on those genetic markers, that's why I don't agree with eating bat. I don't even agree with eating snake. What you're taking in is their experience, their intelligence, which just like a, a memory chip, just like a computer storage, you're literally downloading their life, their experiences. You're literally putting that inside your body and risking the fact that you're going to become more like them no different than if you took a heart transplant patient and asked them the question, after your transplant, did you notice any differences in the way you thought or the way you eat or the way that you live or the way you even dream? And they will always tell you, after my transplant, I feel, I can't understand it, but I now crave hamburgers. I never eat a hamburger. And the reason for these types of feelings is because they're coming 
from the living, indestructible, dynamic anatomical elements, which was talked about in lace microzyma, which was talked about in the blood, the third anatomical element, which is talked about in sick and tired, and giving honor to these great scientists. It was talked about not in that detail in the PH Miracle book, but to understand that there's a living, intelligent being that literally has encrypted on its essence all of the experiences of what that life was prior to its death. That's why I don't eat chicken. That's why I don't eat beef. That's why I don't eat pork. That's why I don't eat fish. I don't eat these foods because I don't want their experience. I don't want their bad or their good experiences. I don't want that to affect my own experience. My own experience is going to be based upon my life, not somebody else's life. But when you eat the blood of animals, you're taking on their anatomical elements. And so you could say, well, what is being transferred? Viruses? No. Viruses are just the chemicals of cellular breakdown or metabolism. Lactic acid is a virus then. Uric acid is a virus. Alcohol is a virus. By true definition, these are poisons that upset the delicate pH balance of the internal fluids of the body, which is the internal environment, or they may lose, or the terrain, which dictates, it's also called the epigenetics, which dictates how the genetics or how the cell is going to respond. You alter that field through vaccination. You alter that field of fluid through ingesting highly chemically toxic foods, even sugar, will change the experience, and so the body has to defend itself. So if it's too much sugar, then the body's going to respond by releasing insulin. If it's too much lactic acid, the body's going to push that out into the connective tissue, and you're going to fill it in the muscle as pain and soreness. Everybody understands that when they overexercise and they're feeling pain, they're not going to blame some non-existent, unscientific, unfounded virus. They're going to say, oh, I've got too much buildup of lactic acid. I need to walk it off. I need to massage. This is one of the symptoms of coronavirus, which is not a virus in the sense of a, a living entity that goes back to microzyma. These are waste products that are being introduced from our environment. They can also be electromagnetic. So when we're talking about electrical pollution, we have to understand that our bodies are electrical by nature and chemical by function. So by function, we produce chemical waste. Citric acid is a waste. You don't take it as a vitamin. All you do is poison yourself. It's a byproduct. Taking hydrochloric acid, which is basically every legend drug, is a poison. Hydrochloric acid is a waste product of sodium bicarbonate production. You cannot produce hydrochloric acid without producing an equal amount of sodium bicarbonate. What is the gland? What is the organ that produces that? It's the stomach. As Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. We have been fooled. You have been fooled. You have been lied to. You have been deceived, whether intentionally or not. People are just espousing ideologies 
which have no proven basis. Hydrochloric acid, if you're a biochemist, understands you cannot produce hydrochloric acid in isolation. And so when the stomach is taking carbon dioxide and taking water and taking salt and creating sodium bicarbonate, then you realize that the stomach doesn't digest anything. And how do we know that? Go home, take a handful of nuts, don't chew them, just swallow them, watch them come out of your body in the same condition that you swallowed them. And if you don't want to swallow some nuts, take some corn, don't chew it, swallow it, and watch the corn come out of you. Now, if the theory was correct, and the stomach really was digesting that food, then it would liquefy it. It doesn't even touch the food. Hydrochloric acid falls in the gastric pits. The reason why is because the stomach's purpose is not to digest food. It's to alkalize food, to alkalize the blood, and to maintain the integrity, the alkaline integrity of the body fluids. And how does this go to this viral thing and the health crisis of today? The reason why we're in a health crisis is that we've got ignorant people who are directing unknowing fools about how their bodies work anatomically, physiologically, functionally. If you ask nine out of 10 people, where's your liver? They don't know where it is. They don't know. They don't know how their body works. Dumbing down the society is a great strategy for those who want to stay in power. So the viral theory is one of those theories that is 100% absolutely false. Several years ago, we heard about the Zika virus, right? And everybody was worried, particularly pregnant women, worried about neurological disorders. And guess what? They should be, not because of some virus. There's no Zika virus. It's never been isolated based on Koch's or Farr's principles or even isolated in of itself and proven to cause any particular disease. It's not contagious. It's the poisons in our food. And where were the poisons delivered from? From those in power and those who profit. And when you start looking at the patents on all these different viruses and vaccines, the government owns them. The CDC's got their name on these patents. Foundations start showing up, and you know what foundations I'm talking about. And so when you look at the Zika virus, it's not a virus at all. It's chemical poisoning. Where's the poisoning coming from? It's coming from the food we're eating. Well, how come it's in the food? Because they're spraying it. Well, for polio, what was it? DDT, dengue, yellow fever, all of these poisons, Monsanto and their Roundup and glyphosate, that's the poison that was causing the birth defects, the encephalitis, inflammation is caused by acid. You cannot separate the two words. You cannot separate acid from inflammation. You cannot separate acid from degeneration. You cannot separate acid from hypoxia. You can't separate the words because acid causes cells to stick together. When blood sticks together, it can't go into the alveoli because it has to go in there single file. And so it causes oxygen deprivation. Oxygen deprivation leads to cellular breakdown, leads to change. Because when you take oxygen out of the equation, of life, things go from an oxygenated state to a fermentation state. So what we evidence in our refrigerators 
is the evidence of fermentation and the birth of bacteria, the birth of exosomes, the birth of bacterial phages. These are coming out of the cell. There is no infection in a controlled environment. These things are not contagious. Zika is not contagious, other than the fact we have mass populations that are eating food that has literally been poisoned with pesticides, insecticides, and we're wondering why we're sick by eating vegetables. And you can't even necessarily trust the ones that are so-called organic. If you really want to be sure, you have to grow your food yourself. You have to become the farmer. You have to know what's in the soil. You have to know what kind of water you're giving that plant. You have to control the environment. You have to know these things in order to know for sure that this food is pure. You cannot trust your government. Not because they don't care. There may be people there that care. They just friggin' don't understand the problem. Last year, I testified not only about vaccines and their nanotechnology and the chemicals which they're putting in there, which there's quite a few. You mentioned one of them, aluminum oxide. Once it's in the brain, it's like an antenna. Once you have the vaccine, you become an antenna to 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G. I did a research study that was published in 2001 with Beverly Rubick at the University of California, Berkeley. And we studied the electromagnetic frequencies. And the reason I mention this, because electrical pollution and chemical pollutions involved, and it ties in with vaccine, because the whole virus germ theory is the smoke and mirrors to what the total intention is. Virus is chemical poisoning. And you can chemically poison yourself with what you eat, what you drink, what you breathe, what you think, what you feel what you believe, where you live, air pollution is a contributing factor to cellular changes within the fluids of the body. You combine that with the introduction, which actually happened in Wuhan. They released 5G with the population and people were dropping like flies. We're not talking about a few thousand. We're talking about a few million. That's why they had to build these so-called hospitals so fast. That's just the facade. It's kind of like going to a Hollywood set. Oh, that's a hospital. Looks like a hospital. Must be a hospital. How can China report what has happened when they roll out in a toxic city people that are eating all kinds of crazy things that combine all different types of microzymas that affect their internal environment and what it reacts to? Over 500 parts per million of carbon monoxide, you're in a polluted environment, you're breathing it, you're living in it, you're eating in it, you're swimming in it, you're drinking polluted water. Then on top of that, they release 5G at 60 gigahertz pulsating frequency called the V frequency, V standing for virus, the V frequency, and literally poisoning people. I learned about this and I published this with Beverly Rubick. It's called Electromagnetic Fields and their effect on the human biofield. And you can find that under my scientific posts and read and see the blood samples and tests that I did in 1999. We're talking 20 years ago. And we're talking 2G here. Because it doesn't matter whether it's 2G or 5G. 
2G is a pulsating frequency. It just doesn't have as much force. You take it up above 60 gigahertz, you have a weapon, and you can disperse crowds, and that frequency will pick people and throw them 20 to 30 feet. This can be from a tower, or it can be from a satellite. And once you've been vaccinated, you become a marked person. That injection then lights you up. And of course, if you have the chip with face recognition, then they can target you specifically from space and direct an electromagnetic pulsating beam at you, and you fall over dead. It's already activated. If you look at the map of the world, and you look at where people are dying and where people aren't dying, this is where they've launched 5G. New York City has over 1,500 towers, 5G towers, 1,500. Los Angeles has over 400 towers. Chemical poisoning with non-ionizing and ionizing radiation is toxic to the human body. This is a known fact. A pulsating frequency directed at you personally will eventually cause hypoxia because that frequency will cause a disturbance in the cell membrane, causing it to break down giving rise to the release of exosomes to neutralize the chemicals from that cellular breakdown. Cells will begin to coagulate, causing disseminated intravascular coagulation. Even the hemoglobin is destroyed at 60 gigahertz, which is the beginning of 5G. So the hemoglobin's gone. You get what is called targeted red blood cells. It's gone. They've got holes in them. They've got pictures of it. You've got a corona effect or these vesicles coming off of it or these crowns from the breakdown of the membrane due to increased acidity of its environment plus pulsating radiation, it is a slow death. When I say slow, I mean it doesn't happen immediately. The effect, once that starts hitting, your circulation is impeded. And by the way, that's one of the symptoms of hypoxia. Hypoxia is the inability of the cells to become oxygenated. And the reason it is impossible for them to become oxygenated is because they're being destroyed by environmental chemical poisoning and electromagnetic V-frequency poisoning that is stealing the oxygen, destroying the cell membrane, giving birth to bacterial phages. All of this is endogenous. This whole viral stuff is all endogenous. It's not created from the outfield. There's, there's no contagion here other than those contributing factors of air pollution, electromagnetic pollution, and chemical pollution from the foods we're eating. And this has been studied since 1947 and is used by they. You know who those agencies are. You know who they are. They use it. The Russians were using it against the Americans. That's why our embassies are lead line. The Americans were using it against the Russians. This is all common knowledge amongst those in power, not about the general public. It's not about 5G. It's about pulsating frequency. When I spent time with Dr. Peter Duisberg after he wrote the book in 1985, so 35 years ago, I knew this was going on. Here again, what happened to Duisberg when he released the book, Inventing the AIDS Virus? 
And what did Duisburg say in 1985? He said, HIV doesn't cause AIDS. He said that HIV is a phantom virus. It doesn't exist. But then he went on and said further in his book that Ebola doesn't exist, and Hantavirus doesn't exist, and Hepatitis virus doesn't exist. As soon as that book came out, he lost all of his research funding, and he was put on probation. This is now 2011, moving forward. I'm in Milan, Italy, to speak at a medical conference, and Dr. Luke, Dr. Montagnier, and myself are the keynote speakers. Who was sitting next to me? Dr. Luke Montagnier. I asked him, I said, how are things going at the University of Paris? He said, well, I'm no longer there. You're no longer there? Where are you? I'm at Tsinghua University. In China? He says, yeah. Really? What are you, why would you leave your tenure at the University of Paris? Why would you leave? You're a Nobel laureate. You just received a few years earlier, the Nobel Prize for the discovery of the HIV virus. The guy got exiled. He lost his position. He lost his funding. Why? Because he wouldn't go along with the lie any longer. And another example today is Dr. Milkowski, who was in jail for five days because she was going to disclose that vaccines and nanoparticles are what is causing all this sickness and disease, even cancer. Then go back to autism and the increase in autism, and what is it destroying? It's destroying the environment. It's destroying the context. It's destroying the core of these children and in their ability to protect themselves. It's destroying the intestinal villi. It's destroying the crypts of the intestinal villi, where embryonic cells are created. In every single case that I looked at with autism, every case, we have kids that have compromised core environments. We have kids that are in decompensated acidosis of the interstitial fluids of the interstitium. Oh, my heavens, what if I can reverse that? In every single case, even with my own nephew. The hand flapping, the sounds, the speech, not able to talk. And we were taking kids and literally shifting them out of this and waking up their minds because your primary mind is not in your head. It's in your gut. You have more neurons in your gut than you do in your head. Once that's cleared, then you can repair the secondary brain in your head. But you can't do that if you're on the vaccine program, because that's just creating more of the toxicity that's keeping them in this suppressed acidic state, which not necessarily is showing up in the blood, but showing up in the interstitial fluids. So yes, doctors bring their autistic children to the ranch. They had to close the ranch down. 40 to 50 gun carrying, three or four helicopters, FBI, CIA was probably there too. The DA's office, they came and shut my ranch down on January 23rd of 2014. The reason that the DA was there, the reason why the FBI was there, the reason why 50 armed 
officers with bulletproof vests were there. Helicopters were there. They had only one intention. They were verbal about this. They had no qualms saying it. I asked them because they came twice. I wasn't there the first time, which was July 13th. This was a year later, July 13th, 2013. They came when I was away. Okay. They corralled all of the people in a circle, held them in a room illegally. They were not under arrest. They interrogated everyone without my presence there and told them to start looking for another job that were bringing this company down. Now, where in the hell does a government have the rights with no evidence whatsoever? Did they take our computers? Yes. Did they take our files? They took over 350 of our case files, cancer files, from stage one to stage four. Okay? And by the way, they called and investigated every one of those cases. I mean, I just wanted to understand how to feel better. I wanted to understand how to lose weight. I wanted to learn how to derive more energy from my body. I want to learn how to work out in a constructive way that doesn't break down our organs and organ systems. And so that's what this book offered. It's called The PH Miracle, which I wrote in 2000. It was published in 2001. I rewrote it. I mean, you can read both of them because they're both different books. And that was another discussion I had with the senior editor. And she said, well, I don't want to call this new book in 2010, is when it was published, the same thing as we want you to revise it. I said, but it's a whole different book. 80% of it is all new material. He says, well, we only expected you to do 20 or 30%, put some of the other things. You just revised it. I said, no, I wrote a new book. And he said, well, we can't call it a new name. It's going to be PH Miracle Revised and Updated. So you have two PH Miracle books. You have the PH Miracle, published in 2001. Then you have the PH Miracle Revised and Updated, which was a new book. It carries the same name. I mentioned Sick and Tired. I mentioned the PH Miracle. And I mentioned the PH Miracle Revised and Updated. I published the PH Miracle for Cancer. I published the PH Miracle for Diabetes. And I published the book. The PH Miracle for Weight Loss. They're all still available either through our websites or Amazon or Barnes and Noble, et cetera, et cetera. You can walk into stores and buy them, or you can go to phmiracleproducts.com and purchase those books. They're all there. God bless you. You're all deserving. You're deserving to know the truth. And I pray that you'll embrace it because I can promise you if you do, it will truly make you free because freedom begins from within. And to be truly free, you must release the poisons and the toxins and the prison that you've enslaved your own cells that make up all your organs and glands and tissues. You need to make them free so that you can be truly free.